Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I am Ben Flanagan. Today we focus on the Hulk Hogan lawsuit. I'll be joined by the professor, Will Nevin, who helps us break down the legal aspect, and we'll get into the legacy of Hulk Hogan and whether or not the WWE will ever reinstate him and if fans will ever re-accept him. This has been Flanagan with Rammer Slammer, and I am joined by the professor, Dr. Will Nevin. Mr. Nevin, or excuse me, Dr. Nevin, especially in this case. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, but like pretty much all wrestling fans, I'm confused because an American icon, let alone a, a professional wrestling icon, Hulk Hogan is is back under the spotlight and, and sort of has been for the last year or so, and it hasn't been a good year for one Mr. Terry Balea. He is suing Gawker Media, I think as most wrestling fans and, and people maybe who follow pop culture know by now, he's in the midst of a really nasty lawsuit with Gawker for an invasion of privacy, as I believe he's putting it, suing them for about $100 million in damages because they posted clips of a sex tape that he was involved in or that he appeared in. And I think, you know, professional wrestling fans and fans of the Hulkster might not really bat an eye just in terms of the day and age that we live in and sex tapes that roll in and out of the Internet, we'll say. But on this particular sex tape, it was reported that the Hulkster, Mr. Balea, in this case, was that that he uttered the occasional racial slur, specifically the N-word a few times in speaking about his daughter and her relationships with African-American men or how he would feel about that. Really unfortunate behavior from a, a guy who, who was many people's hero growing up and and really up to that point, I mean, he was a legend in the business, and he has, pre- he has pretty much been disowned by World Wrestling Entertainment, removed pretty much from, I think, all aspects of their website. Although you can still see him on the WWE Network, they have not re- removed that content. They would have had to remove most of their content had they done that. But you being the legal expert, a man with a law degree and somebody who teaches media law at the collegiate level, you have sort of the, the inside scoop or track on what all is going on here and what all is at stake for not only Hulk Hogan, but Gawker and how whatever the result may be of this lawsuit, how this could have long-term effects as it relates to media law. So go ahead and set it up for us what's going on and and we'll we'll get to talking about the the lawsuit itself but also about how this will permanently affect Hulk Hogan's legacy. So much to talk about here, especially in light of the leak. Uh what was it? Was it last summer or last fall? Um the, all the racial slur stuff that that really got the Hulkster in trouble. Um it was interesting that he came back to WWE with this this lawsuit and this sex tape video hanging over his head. But when the racial aspect of it came out, then that's when uh, Vince and company were like, nope, nope, we're, we're done with you. But yeah, let's, let's go all the way back to the beginning, and then, we'll, and then we'll start really getting into this. So this was a, a, a sexual act 
that occurred in 2006 between Hogan and his best friend's wife. Uh, unknown to the Hulkster, um, the couple were recording uh, said uh, encounter for. I will I will leave that to the Clems, uh, both uh, Bubba and Heather. Um, I was reading a New York Times story on this, and it so delightfully noted that uh, Mr. Clem, who has uh, changed his name legally to Bubba the Love Sponge, um, he's a, a big radio, or he was a big radio guy in Florida. I don't know how big his listening is now, but uh, Hogan would go on a show all the time and talk wrestling and Kind of, he's. He, I haven't heard his show, but he seems like a much smaller version of Howard Stern. Um, and this is this is the kind of thing you can imagine him getting mixed up in. So, that, so the the sex was recorded in '06, and Gawker gets a hold of this in 2012, and they get a 30 minute tape. What they inev- uh, eventually post online is about a minute or 90 seconds of that. And Hogan is clearly not pleased, uh, so he pursues a couple of different legal avenues. And the clip is uh, initially taken down uh, per a Florida court order. That order is rescinded. Uh, Gawker probably wisely decides, okay, we're just going to leave that down for now. Um, And then Hogan, as you said earlier, sues for invasion of privacy. And a few other different uh, things kind of uh, tossed in with that. Um, the the racial stuff, as I said earlier, was not in this clip that Gawker posted. And there are some interesting kind of political movements in the lawsuit related to that. Uh, there was some idea that maybe Gawker leaked uh, the racial stuff in order to kind of throw the case. And Hogan actually pursued um, getting uh, a summary judgment leveled against Gawker for that full $100 million if he could have proven that they leaked um, the racial stuff. He couldn't prove that, so obviously the the trial has proceeded. So looking at his privacy claims, I I think he's got a couple of interesting ones. He's got a surefire one, and then we get to the real First Amendment uh, kind of stuff with Gawker. So – the first thing that I think that most people agree with, uh, or most people would agree with, is what we would call his intrusion claim. And intrusion is simply invading someone else's privacy, usually with electronic or mechanical means. It would be the same thing if, uh, if I showed up at your house and you know just decided to come into your bedroom and start taking pictures. Uh, this is really kind of the classical example of intrusion. And he is suing. Um, both Gawker and uh, Heather Clem for intrusion, and I think um, under the law he's he's definitely got a slam dunk case uh, against Clem for intrusion. Now, you know whether uh, she's got the financial pockets uh, that would make this claim meaningful is you know get up for debate. But intrusion is what we call the classical news gathering tort. Um, so a party uh, simply gathering information has committed a civil violation. And like I said, I think that's a slam dunk here as, as far as intrusion is concerned. Uh, he's also suing, interesting enough, uh, interestingly enough, for uh, an invasion of his right of publicity. Um, that's simply saying that uh, Gawker is attempting to make money based on uh, their distribution of this sex tape. And uh, I don't know about the claim here because – it would be different if they were selling um, 
if they were selling that 30 minute that 30 minute tape if they were you know passing out dvds of you know uh see one wild night with you know hulk hogan uh continuing in the sort of the sordid tradition of, of wrestlers and sex tapes if you remember a few years ago um china and x-pac had a tape that they both swore at the time was stolen from them and you know later they said yeah we we agreed to sell that yeah uh, you know fortunately i have yet to see that video and i can't <laughs> promise that i ever will but yes i'm aware of it <laughs> Oh, let us let us hope that we live nice and long lives without seeing one night in China. Um, but I, I think he would have a stronger case against Gawker for right of publicity if Gawker wasn't at least, uh, and this is throwing shade on them, uh, if they weren't at least nominally a news gathering operation. So I think having this news gathering. Um, you know, kind of endeavor kind of gets them out of that right of publicity claim. But I think it's interesting that he, he certainly threw that in there. Um, but the real meat of this case is Hogan's uh, publication of private facts claim. And that's a cause of action where we seek to sort of reward uh, or to make people whole after embarrassing private information has been published about them without having a sufficient uh, newsworthiness to it. So you can obviously see how this claim breaks down. Uh, certainly Gawker, you know, they published uh, that that excerpt from the sex tape. But Gawker's argument is that this is newsworthy, uh, both because Hogan has been boastful about his sexual prowess in the past and then he had that uh, reality television show for a while and he was sort of portrayed as this this all-american dad in that weird world that he lived in so gawker would argue that well this this weird divergence and this creepiness that hogan was engaged in uh certainly creates this nexus to that public life that's that's what they would argue uh and hogan would simply say that was a private sexual encounter that's not at all newsworthy so as i said this is where the first amendment really comes into this in that um, publication of private facts claim whether uh, the newsworthiness of Hogan being in this tape outweighs his you know right to have it not in the public eye and if i had to guess i i i don't know how the trial is going to go but if this you know if eventually makes it up to the appellate level i think any court looking at this is going to say gawker you are a tabloid publication the clip was posted in a very salacious way. Uh the actual text of the post is pretty uh you know pretty lurid and it almost brazenly admits, yeah, we like to watch, you know, celebrities have sex and that sort of thing. Um but I think a, an appellate court would look at this and say, you know, this is what people are interested in. There is a sufficient uh nexus between the public life and the private life. Um, Hogan was in court, I believe, yesterday uh, or the day before trying to argue that, well, Terry Bollea is a private person. Terry Bollea was the, the person in the sexual act, but Hulk Hogan is 
you know, my public persona, and I am Hulk Hogan even when I'm on the Howard Stern show, and yeah, I think that's a little too deep for <laughs> for most courts to go into. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not have to explain what kayfabe was in the court? You know, um, I haven't been following the trial testimony closely, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, he's arguing that. You know, Hulk Hogan is not me. Um, I am not Hulk Hogan. I am Terry Bollea. Uh Hulk Hogan is a character, which is uh, that that's pretty much kayfabe right there, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, uh, for sure. And, and just in terms of like long term here, like how this is going to affect Hogan, like like you said, if this court rules in favor of him, then in in, in say it holds up in the appeals court. What does this mean for him moving forward? Because I think, you know, look, he, he's, as far as I know, I mean, uh, is, is he a wealthy guy right now? Because if not, you know, this this would obviously help matters if he's awarded any sort of monetary damages. But I, I think what may be more important to him is this question of legacy and, and how this affects him moving forward. Because even if he's rewarded any money at all, I mean, the the damage has really been done in terms of the the contents of the tape that that obviously you mentioned that Gawker didn't release but have been reported is using racial slurs on camera. He, again, has been basically disowned by the organization that created him and, and in turn that he sort of helped create and, and build as the face of the company for so many years. And he he's no longer a part of that, and he is seen by many as, a villain now for those actions. Do you think that, you know, regardless of what happens in the Gawker lawsuit, that this this notoriety is going to stick with Hulk Hogan, or do you think that, as has been the case in the past, for for people who have have been in similar trouble, if not the exact same kind, that that the public will sort of re-embrace and welcome? a person like Hulk Hogan back into their so-called homes, you know, as fans, or do you think that people will, you know, forever refer to Hulk Hogan as a racist, as many have done since this? Well, going back to your point about uh, his bottom line, I, I have to think that he, uh, like many wrestlers uh, and like many people in the public eye, uh, did not sort of save and invest his money well. Uh I would if I had to guess I would say he needs not only any kind of proceeds from this lawsuit but continued employment. Um right after this, right after his dissociation, he's he went almost directly uh to a speaking tour in um in Great Britain because uh, they the the shows over there do pretty well. And I think there's an idea that yeah, I he needs money. So that's one thing to think about. Um, and as far as his prospects for future employment with WWE, I think you have to look at it from their perspective. Uh, even before uh, both the racial and the sex stuff came out, uh, you know, they obviously hired him back with this tape out there. They they knew about it. They didn't know about the racial stuff. What was he really doing for them at the time he was disassociated? You know, he was making the occasional um, appearance on Raw. You know, I, I think his last couple of things were for like charity, like maybe he did like a, a breast cancer awareness spot. But really, I just don't know how he, how useful he would be to the company. Yeah, 
he had, he had what, what, what was called like a Legends contract that they had yeah. for, for people. So he was at WrestleMania 30, obviously, where he, he botched the Superdome, Silverdome line. He appeared during that intro with Stone Cold and The Rock. So, you know, like you said, the occasional appearance from Hulk Hogan would, would go a long way with fans. And he had that house show at Madison Square Garden not long ago, right? You know, not too long before this all happened. You know, my brother Graham who lives up in New York, actually attended that show, which was a tribute to Hulk Hogan. And I think that was kind of like his last shining moment. He was supposed to go on tour on an international tour with them in, in this sort of like quasi-commissioner or something role with WWE on that international tour. And this all this all happened, and, and that just completely came to a screeching halt, and he was just no longer a part of it. Now, if, if he... If this had just been the sex tape and, and we the whole racial slur thing hadn't been a part of it, I'm not sure that I, – I don't think WWE wouldn't have batted an eye. I, I think that there would have been, you know, some pause on their part. But, you know, there have been many things in many wrestlers who have engaged in, you know, all sorts of, of behavior, activity, what have you sort of in this ballpark, right? And, and even their top guy in Seth Rollins, right? The guy <laughs> seemingly, you know, he, he didn't seem to get punished at, at all for his role in, in some, what we'll say, indecent photographs that ended up circulating on, on the Internet. He became WWE heavyweight champion shortly after that happened at WrestleMania 31. So Colby uh, made some yeah. bad choices. Uh <laughs> There's some precedent here, you know, that that would have worked in Hulk Hogan's favor, and he again is the face of the company, or, or was for so long, and he's you know a legend and a hero in the eyes of so many. So I, I think had had it just been the sex tape, that would have been one thing, and, and he probably would still be a part of WWE. But obviously there was more to it, and and now you have to you have to assume that it's going to be a long journey back if he even gets to come back. Oh, yes. And the thing that would make Hogan valuable to WWE is discipline to use him once every five years. They don't have that kind of discipline. He doesn't have that kind of discipline. I mean, just look at uh, Stone Cold. Uh, if if you brought him back uh, at WrestleMania and they're, they're doing something with him at WrestleMania, uh, it's going to be news. Uh, Hogan would just simply show up at Raw from time to time in his last run, and it just and it was the same kind of act, the same kind of promos, uh, you know. Since um, that weird you know NWO run he had, it's it's been the oh oh and lest I forget what was it Mister America <laughs> he he wrestled with the mask. Um, I still can't but, believe it turned out to be Hulk Hogan. I know, right? Again, there's just not the discipline there to make him really meaningful. And if you read the sheets, he was pretty much a headache backstage, and he was pushing for a WrestleMania match on, you know, two bad hips and bad knees. And at this point, everything all together, I think he's just he's more of a headache than um, than whatever value he might have for WWE. outside of what the fans would like to see. So so it's unfortunate for him, uh, but I think for WWE, like I said, it's just it's too much uh, for them to, to really bother with. And thinking about his legacy, that's, that's an interesting question. 
you know, there are some wrestlers who've had this type of problem before. Uh, I mean, not necessarily the racial stuff, um, but the, the sexual stuff, at least like uh, Lord knows how many failed marriages uh, Ric Flair and Jerry Lawler have had between them. Uh, but we just kind of look at them and think, oh, you know, they're, they're cads. They've, they've had their issues. And, and, you know, Ric Flair at this point is like your, your, your creepy old granddad. He's, he's, he's lovable. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, you've had wrestlers with issues that you can't disassociate uh, whatever issue with their in-ring performance. Like you can't watch a Chris Benoit match and separate the wrestler uh, between the horrible thing that, that that ended his life and his you know, his wife and his child. And you know, I I haven't tried to watch a Chris Benoit match since. Uh, the murder-suicide, and I doubt I would really be able to. I think Hogan falls somewhere between these two, but certainly more toward uh, Lawler and Flair. And that's with both the sexual indiscretions and the racial stuff combined. Uh, and it's good that you mentioned, you know, Seth Rollins with his uh, with his uh, nudies out there. Um, you know this is this thing happens uh you know the 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 wrestlers are human just like everybody else and we make mistakes but some mistakes are just worse than others some mistakes you can come back from some mistakes you can't and i think for hogan once you once you throw in the racial element i i think like i said it's it's too much for for wwe to really bother with yeah i have a feeling that eventually they're probably going to welcome him back at some point. I don't know when that will be, but it'll probably be too soon. You know, it's just like you said, because of a lack of discipline, but we'll see. I mean, they had the wherewithal to the, the, you know, just the sort of obvious logic to, to distance themselves from him immediately. As soon as this news came out and and that was obviously the smart and and wise thing to do. And and it's interesting, you know, I've been going back and trying to watch every WrestleMania leading up to the WrestleMania 32 coming up in in early April and all the Hogan stuff is still there, you know, and and I grew up a big fan of, of Hulkamania. You know, I I wore the t-shirts and the bandanas and the tank tops, you know, and, and, and I was a kid who loved Hulk Hogan. I, you know, I bought into the say your prayers, eat your vitamins. You know, I, I was a, I was a, Hulkamaniac, a mark for Hulk Hogan. So I, I wasn't alone. And so I'm sure that it sucks for, for fans, but it, it sucks even worse that he said, you know, he, he, he said racial slurs and you have to, you have to, it's kind of this, it's kind of the thing where not, and again, this is, these, this is apples and oranges in a way, but it's like the Bill Cosby thing, right? Where people yeah. are like, Oh, that sucks. He's a great comedian. Well, it's like, well, no, these are women who went through traumatic experiences Comedy is beside the point, right? But, you know, let's turn on the fan switch for just a second here. You know, I I assume as a pro wrestling fan, there was a time in your life, and, and, you know, maybe you made the transition (laughs) and saw the light a little sooner than than I did, that you liked Hulk Hogan and and you were a fan of what he did as a pro wrestler, as a child. I mean, what do you think looking back? I mean, do you do you have trouble watching old Hulk matches now? Or I mean, it's obviously not the same as the Chris Benoit thing, but do you distance yourself from Hulk as a fan? Well, it's a strange thing. I came in, you know, right at the end of the Attitude Era, so I missed all of Hulk Hogan, um, pretty much, aside from uh, that big 
uh, WrestleMania match against The Rock. Uh, that was the first time where Hogan was really in my consciousness because I did not watch the dying days of WCW. I think when I got the network, that was one of the one of the matches I wanted to go back and watch. I haven't tried to uh, go back and watch that match since this news came out, but if I had to, you know, there are a lot of racists out there. I mean, it's 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 really disgusting, and and maybe I just kind of accept that some people are scumbags, and I can just deal with it. And maybe the racism. Um, doesn't rise to the level of something like Cosby, doesn't rise to the level of something like Benoit. Uh, when we have something that is such an abhorrent crime, maybe I can separate that mentally from, you know, just being a bad person. Maybe, maybe that's it. But as far as watching those idols fall, I think maybe we all come across that. I think for me, my first big sports idol was Roger Clemens. And the the first time I was ever a baseball fan was the year he started a season uh, twenty and one with the Yankees, and it's why I love the Yankees, and it's why I love like the aspects of pitching that I do. And so I I didn't care about steroids uh, until you know it was Clemens on steroids, and I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I guess all those stories about his magical workouts and his his extremely uh, long career and his endurance and the seven Cy Youngs. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I can't I can't look at his career anymore um, with the same reverence I had. And I imagine for a lot of people they can't look at Hogan with the same reverence they had. And, you know, it's really a shame. It's really a shame seeing your, your childhood idols fall. And I guess that's, that's a part of, I don't know, maybe growing up or – joining the the world of cynical adults or or I don't know what it is but it seems like a common theme. Yeah, and and I think I think a lot of people can live with the asterisk, right? Like they again, they'll they'll eventually welcome these figures back whether it's into their lives as fans or if their organizations like the WWE or the NFL, like I mean you you can look to the NFL for for things like Riley Cooper, right? The 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 NFL, the the Philadelphia Eagle who got in trouble for for saying the N-word in public, caught on video for that. And he was he was allowed to play again, right? Like not long after he did that. Or obviously and and again, going back to the apples and oranges thing, like a Ray Rice, right, who was caught on film hitting his what then fiance and and he was reinstated back into the NFL. I don't believe he's signed with a team since then, but no, nope, and he probably won't. No, probably won't, but the NFL said, you know what, you can if if somebody wants you, right? And so you just wonder if if the WWE eventually is going to say, let's let's give Hulk another chance. I, I'm guessing if the public has already done that and especially if there's like a demand out there. And and obviously I think that, you know, it's going to it's going to depend largely on the African-American community and the WWE's large African-American fan base and, and, you know, what what their public stance is on Hulk Hogan. And if, if, if African-American fans have chosen to re-embrace Hulk Hogan and, and want to see him back as being a part of the WWE, will that matter? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I just have a feeling that, at some point, Hulk Hogan is going to be, he, he's going to, we're going to hear that music. We're going to see that, you know, leaked report on Reddit that he's going to appear 
on Raw or at this pay-per-view. Hulk Hogan, I think we're going to see him in WWE again. What do you think? Here is my spicy hot caliente take. I think the next time you see Hulk Hogan acknowledged on WWE television is after he dies. I hmm. think I think this is this is lifetime exile simply because he has nothing to offer them. At huh. this point his it, it physically his body is it, it, it's shot. I mean he he could not Take a bump in the ring. So you have to throw out the idea of him wrestling a match. Like that's that's gone. Outside of that, with the idea of a legends contract, he is there for goodwill, for public appearances, yeah. for warm, fudgy, uh, fudgy, fuzzy nostalgia. <laughs> and with the racial stuff, that nostalgia, those warm, fuzzy feelings, don't exist anymore. Yeah. It's like why and, bother? Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up uh, you know Riley Cooper. The difference between him and Ray Rice, aside from the violence, one is a guy more or less in the prime of his career, and one is a running back at the end. If Ray Rice could still be productive in the NFL, I think he would have signed. If Hulk Hogan could still wrestle, I think WWE eventually brings him back. Yes, well, that, that that's probably true, but, I mean, you go back, again, just a couple of years ago, he, he was a huge part of WrestleMania 30, what what the company will call one of their greatest WrestleManias in their long history. That, that was a great moment, you know, at the time. Between him and Stone Cold and The Rock, it was a great way to open the show, as, as long-winded as it might have been, and, and even with the, the Hogan botch in terms of the venue name, Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, they made lemonade out of it, but... You know, I think you look to something like that as what Hogan can contribute to to a festivity like WrestleMania. You know, he he was such a huge part of not only the company but launching that tradition and and being the icon that he became. But I just think the fact that you know, if this guy was like a mid Carter, right, or somebody who who didn't have a who had like half the run that Hulk Hogan had. Then, then maybe it's different. But look, you know, he had the reputation of being the the all American hero face of WWE, and I think that the fact that he was that, and you can just that that was just basically shot, and you can just no longer you can no longer associate him with that image just because of what he reportedly did, you know, on this video. That is where it is complicated and why I think they were so quick to disassociate themselves the way that they have and, and probably, like you say, will long term. Again, you know, I think that just because we, we've seen so many things like it in sports and entertainment, that it just tells me that we'll probably see him again. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're totally right. I mean, the physical aspect is important. You know, especially because he can't perform in the ring. I, I think that, you know, what he can offer just may not be enough for them. But I think at some point it's just gonna it's just gonna happen because it always kinda has. And I, I'd love to see somebody be consistent, but you know, we, we, we again live in this era too where people try to focus on forgiveness, right? And people sort of use forgiveness as a scapegoat just to see what they want to see on T V and it's like just because you want to see Hulk Hogan be, be a part of the WWE again. Is it the right thing to do? I don't know. You know, 
WWE is a business, and if they think it's the right business call, they'll probably make it one way or the other. But I don't know. I, I just I, I don't know if this is the cynical way of looking at it, but I think we see Hogan again. Well, and then too, you have to think that uh, the WWE is not some unbiased historian. They are the keeper of their own history. So. 15 years from now, if they want to talk about the WrestleMania era and they want to talk about Triple H and Stone Cold and Roddy Piper and Mr. T, that's what they're going to do. You know, if they want to talk about the first 50 years of WrestleMania, they will focus on, you know, WrestleMania's, you know, 15 through 50 and not those first, you know, 15 because they have they have shown this willingness in the past to you know, write things that are convenient to them. So I I don't know. But I, you make a good point when you say that if it ever becomes in their business interest to bring him back, that's what they will do. Uh, yeah. Well, have you noticed, like, other wrestlers showing any sort of public support for Hogan? I, I can't say that I have, you know, since all of this has gone down, since he's been obviously mixed up in this trial and this lawsuit, I mean, that that would probably help matters, you know, and, and would sway people to, to you know, take the path of forgiveness and, and urge the WWE to give him another chance, but I haven't seen that. No, certainly not on, on social media or anything like that, and there was that moment when I think The Rock was was uh, improving uh, in Miami a couple of weeks ago when he went to ringside and there was, you're just kind of like holding your breath. It's like, is he going to like acknowledge the, the Hogan, the, you know, the Hogan character. Um, and I think he did, but I, I just haven't like, he, he has been basically, you know, extricated from their history. Um, this is one of the guys they don't talk about. And, you know, that's, as a business, it's it's kind of their prerogative. They we don't have uh, an unbiased keeper of of wrestling history and wrestlers. We don't have anyone who can uh, you know separate um, the uh, the off screen, off television, out of the ring uh, individuals from their public portrayals. I mean, in a completely I guess for lack of a better word, scientific unbiased Hall of Fame, you would put exclusively for what he did in the ring, you would put Chris Benoit into a Hall of Fame simply because of his technical skills and what he was able to do. But WWE is a business. He was The way he his life ended was tragic and loathsome and horrific. And you would never, ever, ever, and I always get a, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess my eyes kind of roll whenever I see somebody suggest this, that the WWE would put Chris Benoit in their Hall of Fame. No. Absolutely no. not. Yeah. Nor should they. You know, no. And I don't. I don't think there's anybody really out there who thinks that they should. So that's probably a foregone conclusion. But you know, look, Nevin. Maybe that's why they're pushing Roman Reigns the way that they are. They need a new face to put up oh. on Mount Rushmore. Right? Oh. They need, they need oh. as many additional <laughs> faces of the company as possible so that they can replace Hulk Hogan. You've got John Cena. You've got Steve Austin. The Rock. They need the next guy, man. Oh, I, I can't get that taste out of my mouth. Roman, Roman Reigns is as a, as a legendary historic babyface. Hey man, uh, it's been a good it's been a good month for you though with no Roman Reigns. You know, I, I know, I know. And, Television has been has been so much more enjoyable, and I don't have to jump through the hoops of oh yeah, let me boo Roman Reigns because I don't want to 
see him do well. And I, anyway, that's that's an entirely different discussion. But I just please, please at WrestleMania, turn turn him heel, and make make the world make sense, and go that way, and not the way that you are clearly going. Please, well, don't. The professor Will Nevin, thanks for breaking this down for us, man. Hey, my pleasure. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.